This week's episode is sponsored by Hers Snack Foods. And serious to business, if you're anywhere where they sell her snack foods, which probably means you're on the East Coast of the United States, you should buy some. Not just because they are fabulously delicious potato chips and pretzels and all that, you know, taco chips and like any kind of snack food item you can imagine, but also because like hers is a cool company, like it's family owned and has always has been, and they employ people in really cool ways and they give away money in really cool ways. And, and because they sponsor this podcast. Yeah. And, and, and in in particular, I guess I should say Ed, her, the president of the company sponsors me. Because Ed Hur is one of the most supportive friends I have. And over the last 15 or 20 years, nobody has really gotten behind my journey and my work more than Ed. And every now and then he calls and he says, what are you up to? What are you doing? How can I support it? And so he says, well, you know, he's behind the podcast. He's behind the counseling and coaching that I'm doing, um, both in person here in L.A. and also via via Skype and telephone with people all over the world, really. Um, and, and, you know, I, if you're interested in that, you should check it out at barcampola.org. I, I kind of help people that are stuck or people that are working through religious transitions or people that are struggling in relationship issues. And, and I'm able to offer a sliding scale when I do it because people like Ed sort of go like, Hey, we want you to have enough money in the kitty so that you, you know, if somebody wants that kind of support and can't afford it, you can cover them. And so, um, yeah. So, you know, this is not just me saying, hey, the show is sponsored by Ed Her and her snack foods. It's also me saying, gosh, I love those people. And gosh, I love Ed Her. So there, enough of that. You're listening to Humanize Me with Bart Campolo. Hey there, everybody, and welcome back to the show. Look, a lot of us are sad this week, um, especially here in the United States, over the deaths of Alton Sterling and Philando Castillo and Brent Thompson and Patrick Samaripa, Michael Kroll and Michael Smith and Lauren Ahrens. Um, all those people gunned down. Um, all just, it's just so sad what's going on right now. And, and there's a lot of conversation about that. And for a minute, I thought I should jump into that conversation, but I'm not going to, um, there's enough people right now talking about that stuff later on when the, when the dust is settled a little bit, we'll have a conversation about what you do with your frustration, what you do with your anger, like what it actually means to help make things better. When, when President Obama says we can do better, we're, we're going to have a conversation about what real people can do to change the climate um, and to change the behavior and to hold people accountable. But, but for now, that conversation is happening all over the place. And I just thought, like, you know, the, the best thing I can do is if, if you're stuck in that conversation and you just need a break, I, I wanted to give you a different conversation for a minute. And so I pulled out this conversation I had with my son, Roman. If some of you that listen to the old podcast, um, remember Roman was like one of the most popular guests we ever had on that show. And so I asked him to come in and do one of these and he did. And we ended up talking about what you can learn about life from street canvassing. Cause Roman's been a street canvasser for Greenpeace for the last few years. And, and my goodness, it was just the coolest conversation and not just cause he's my kid, but just because it was fun. And so, um, 
yeah, I'm just going to encourage you, like, check it out. And then let me know what you think of it. Let me know what you think of it, wherever you are. Like, you know, just go to barcamphole.org and drop me an email and say, this is where I am. And this is what I'm thinking. And this is what's going on. I, I would love to hear it. All right. That's it. That's enough, enough shilling, enough talking. Let's get on with the conversation. Here's me and Roman. Now, let me, let me, I brought you in here. I asked you to come over. And I, I, and I came. And you accepted. And I appreciate it. And because I want to talk to you about things that you know about. Okay. Well, because sometimes I ask questions. Sometimes I, I, I try to talk to people about things that like, like if I say to you, like, Roman, let's talk about aging, you know, and like, you're like, I'm 23. What are you talking about? Right. So there are two thoughts I had to talk to you about. Okay. One of them is you're out there in these streets canvassing for Greenpeace. Yes. And I've, everyone I talk to that I mentioned that my son canvasses for Greenpeace sort of looks at me and goes like, Oh, I'm sorry. Like, I, I'm not very good to those people. Like, right. There's a lot of guilt out there that people feel about their treatment of street canvassers. Yes. Do well you think deserved. that's well deserved? Are you serious? Because <laughs> no, like, no. that's a hard job. Um, to be totally honest, it's just not a hard job for me. I, I really enjoy it. Um, it it's just a constant brain chemistry project just throwing different weird things at people and just seeing how people respond. Cause you know, I'm in Los Angeles for all intents and purposes. I have an infinite number of human beings to swim through throughout the day. But don't you go to the same places over and over again? Don't you talk to the same people? I mean, no, like, you don't like, talk to I mean, you're at USC's campus. Like, don't they see you come and going like, I, yeah, I talked to you last time. Once in a while, somebody says, Oh, we had a talk last time. Or you signed me up like a month ago. Um, but not really. No. I mean, there's a lot of people. And on, on an average day of like six hours of canvassing, I probably talk to, yeah, how many conversations do you have? Around 25. 25 people that stop and are willing to hear what I have to say and respond to it. Wow. Like, I mean, just, I think for the average person, like if they could wrap their mind around that, that's 25 mean like conversations about something important like you're not just saying like hey how's your day you're like let's talk about climate change right yeah and a lot of people aren't ready and you know the conversation ends fairly abruptly with them sort of expressing in one way or another like hey i'm not in the place to have this conversation um as far as the people that just walk by and don't engage with you at all they might they feel guilty because like what they're doing it's one thing when people say, ah, oh, sorry, no time. I actually, a stop line I use now I'll be that everyone pretty much responds well to is as someone's approaching me, I just start walking toward them and I go, listen, I'm in a big rush. I don't have a lot of time. Next time, totally, I, I, I got to go. I'm sorry. And, and they're just, they're just they're, they have no idea. <laughs> and you see their mouth like about to start moving in just this brief moment of confusion and then they start laughing. Um, but like, does that, do they ever then stop and say, okay, let's talk about a quarter of them. Yeah. I mean, no one, it's like basketball, right? Like Michael Jordan missed most of his shots. I'm Michael Jordan of this canvassing game, boy. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, but the people that feel guilty or just walk by the only really weird thing about the people that walk by are the ones that, that pretend you're not there. It's like, you're so clearly within earshot, so obviously addressing them. And they completely ignore you. And there's something like toxic about that. Not even for me. I don't care. If I cared about that, that would like 
really screw with me because it happens every day a hundred times. But, you know, I, we were talking about this the other day. In Walnut Hills, the neighborhood where, you know, you moved us when I was like 12 and I grew up, you know, a poor black neighborhood in the inner city. There, you know, there was a lot of aggression and a lot of dysfunction, but there seemed to be an understanding among people that like we are all sharing a physical space. Like n the idea, no one ignored each other. People might fight each other. They might, they might, they might you know, interact at times. But when no, they there shouldn't. was nobody you were going to walk by on the street and you're going to go, hey, man, what's up? And they weren't going to turn their no, head. No. It would never happen. And there's something real about that. There's some there's something like pure about like, oh, you're addressing me. Even if I don't want to have this conversation, of course I'm obligated to because we exist together. Yeah. Um, and I know the dynamic's a little different when, you know, people sense a salesy vibe coming from canvassers and it's just like, oh, another thing. Like, I get it. I, you know, the moment you fall into a pattern of thinking, oh, these people owe me something, you're screwed. You're never going to sign anyone up uh, or change the way anyone thinks. But, you know, when I'm in places like uh, uh, Larchmont, you know, which is like a really rich area of Los Angeles or, you know, some nice part of West Hollywood, the, the, the degree to which each individual is, is walking around in their own bubble. And, and you can so clearly tell by their body language that they are the main character in their movie and they're at an important part of the story and you are background noise and you do not fit in the narrative in this moment. And it doesn't matter that they can hear you and it doesn't matter that you're, you're clearly coming toward them in like a genuine way, which, I, you know, most of the time I really am. I'm really not out here. I, I don't get commission. Like the thing that keeps me driven is that I've had so many interactions with people where their thinking on climate change and uh, has changed and their perspective on humanity has sort of gotten a little bit more systemic and less zoomed into these ideas of good and evil. Like that happens and that's exciting. So I enjoy it. But it is weird the people that just ignore. It's just a weird phenomenon of like humanity. You know, it's, it's weird when every now and then the students that I work with at USC will set up a table on the main drag at USC um, to, to promote an event that we're doing or a lecture that we're having come in or some, mm -hmm. some and we'll, tr you know, we'll try to stop people. And, yeah. and sometimes we'll have a little sign that we'll put out with a question on it aimed at sort of sparking a conversation. Mm -hmm. it's, and it's funny, like, cause sometimes like, the question that we put on the thing will determine how it goes. Like we had one where we put up, we were, we had a, a lecture, James Doty coming in to talk about the center for compassion and altruism. And oh yeah. So, I went to that. That was so, great. So we put up the sign that said, what makes a person compassionate? No one stopped. Mm. So then we put a sign, we, we changed the sign to what makes a godless person compassionate? Cause the secular student fellowship out there. Oh my gosh. Like, all sorts of people were stopping for that. Like, okay, yeah, now yeah. there's, and you go like, oh, wow. If you just, it's like, it was our version of a stop line. But like, if you twist it just a little bit, yeah, what would get them to stop? But but what we found it, what I find is, is that most people have their phone out and their earphones in and you just can't get in their world. Yeah, well, the, yeah, the phone's out. The, you, you know, you, we don't Do you try. just don't even try? I, well, I, I do for fun, man. I mean, I, at this point I I'm playing, it's just a playground. Like the main stop line I was using last time I canvassed was I've always saw, or, uh, what was it? It was, uh, Earl, I always saw potential in you. You've come a long way, but I know who you used to be. Like people, yeah, it's just, I, I, I'll say that to someone on their phone. Like, I don't care. One thing about canvassers, one, one thing you'll watch 
happen when you watch people, you know, canvas after a month, no one ignores homeless people. No one. Oh, like you don't ignore Never homeless in people. a million years. We, the girls that have been canvassing a Greenpeace for over a year, when they see a homeless person, they go and sit with them for five minutes. There's always hugs. There's always money or food. Like just the idea of ignoring a human being. Well, yeah, because, you know, we kind of get it when you ignore us, you know, because we're clearly uh, it makes sense that you might mistake us for a stupid salesy scam. Uh-huh. Right. And, and so that's what I can sort of redeem my view of humanity. I'm like, it's not like if I actually am thinking people all day or I, I represent climate change and people are ignoring me, then it's scary. But if I'm like, OK, I they're they're making a mistake. They don't think I'm actually talking about anything valuable. They don't think this is important, whatever. But when it, you know, when there's a, you know, a guy that, you know, those homeless people that you can just tell have spent the last 10 years in hell and they're just begging for like a moment of attention or, you know, some money to get some food like and that and you see those same people just, you know, completely ignore them. You know, that 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 weighs on us probably harder than a lot of people. And homeless people also know canvassers will talk to them. Homeless people, when they see us, we can see them walking toward us from six blocks away. They know because they know canvassers will talk to them. They know we'll give them money. They know never in a million years will we ignore them, and, and that's that's been it's like a, the code of the streets. It's been a cool. I love it. I love it. I know. I know all the crazy people because that, that's Tokyo. not how you used to feel about people that approached you on the street when we lived in Cincinnati. What homeless people? Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I had my guard up a little more. I mean, I had a couple encounters in Cincinnati. Yeah. Where homeless, like a homeless guy spit on me. You know, like so. And, and there was also. Um, a general air of hostility around the homeless people that at least were in the Kroger area where I worked. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they didn't like us. In some, I don't know. There was just some animosity, I remember. But maybe I was projecting at the time. I don't know. Um, but now, I, you know, to me, that's one of the more beautiful aspects of just being out in the world every day is like you come across other people that are out in the world every day and you sort of have a weird common ground like we're coming from totally different places in our lives but we when, when, watch the human organism just do its thing and you all know day what's weird is like if you if you think about what we are evolved to do mm-hmm. one of our most evolved things is to be afraid of strangers like we are a tribal animal yeah that when we see members of another tribe mm-hmm. we go like fight or flight or you know like there's this like we release chemicals that and so street canvassing is, in a sense, really remarkable because what you're doing is you're encountering people as a stranger and trying to engage them. And the fact that it works at all is kind of amazing to me. Yeah. I, you know, I mean, when you, when you see those guys standing out with the cardboard sign, you know, and you think, who's, who's, who's really stopping, stopping yeah. for that guy? He looks scary. Somebody is because he's out there every day. You know, like there are, there is that. So group. when you... When yeah. you stop people, yeah. When you when when somebody's willing to engage in conversation, mm-hmm. are they engaging you in conversation because they just want to talk to somebody, or or do they know it's going to be about about the environment? They know it's going to be about climate change, and they're like, yeah, I would like to talk to you about that. It it depends. I mean, some people stop because they've passed a million times, and they're like, okay, what is this about? You know, uh, other people are just interested in learning things, and I. 
I mean, I can, there are canvassers I wouldn't stop for. There are people that, you know, there, there's a, most of the canvassers in Los Angeles don't even work for the group that they're representing. They work for like sales companies and like that are take a cut of whatever, you know, and they just have canvassers and, and nonprofits pay them to do the canvassing for them. Like there's no integrity in it. I don't stop for those guys because I can tell they're bullshitting. But like I know what I'm talking about. At this point, so when I approach someone, it's with a confidence of like, I, I actually do have something of value to tell you. And sm I, I normally stop smart people that can sense that, oh, okay, there, there, there is a sense of urgency here. And, um, and, and what, I mean, in the, in the simplest analysis, what do you try, like, are you trying mainly to sell people on like join this organization or are you mainly trying to educate people? Like what's your, um, well, what, I, what like, I'm what's your to, mission? Yeah. 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 To wake people up to the idea of organized direct action. Greenpeace is not the be all end all of that concept. Greenpeace is a really effective organization that has done a lot of good work in terms of getting big corporations to alter their resource management policies in, you know, in a timely manner. But really, the, the thing that's lacking as a whole, like people feel helpless in a lot of ways in the face of a, a, an issue like climate change. It just feels huge and impossible. And, you know, or people think it's way simpler than it is. Like there's, there's an idea floating around right now that we can change the world by, you know, slightly recycling. Recycling or changing our consumer choices like and it's just too late for that Like we have a couple years really to cap greenhouse gas emissions before we reach like a variety of tipping points That if you know if, if they just go unchecked We're gonna see an increase in global temperature of like maybe up to like three or four degrees within like 80 years You know something like that is the science isn't totally exact on it, but you know, this is now this is the most this is important and there are practically laws right now that make it illegal to address climate change. Like there has to be more government regulation. There has to be a carbon tax. There has to be some sort, there have to be laws in place that stop, you know, com completely insane corporate policies that, that just release enormous amounts of methane or, or, or you know, and, and like right now, there, there are laws in place, like corporations are recognized practically as individuals, right, on, on a legal in, in law right citizens united right yeah. so they can like corporations sue. have free speech yeah the government screws right. with their profits they can sue the government well you can't really meaning like there's not going to be any litigation in terms of climate change that like has teeth that is going to leave every corporation as rich and as free and unregulated as it is now that's impossible so that's why the conservatives have to basically say Oh, climate change just isn't real because for them to say climate change is real is to say, oh, our whole ideology is not only flawed, but like the consequences of operating this way are as dire as they could possibly be. They're apocalyptic. Like they're never going to do that. It is them even acknowledging that climate change is as big of a problem as it is, is, is like suicide for every really, you know, perspective that the GOP Seems to well, you know, you know, get behind. See, I, do you do you feel like it's partisan? Like, is it Republican Democrat? Because I feel like it's a it's a much more comprehensive. It's partisan to an extent, absolutely. Democrats are undoubtedly way more open. Democratic legislators, like right. policymakers. Yeah, well, liberal people in general. You know, I mean, uh -huh. which is kind of funny because, like, ultimately, yeah, we're trying to conserve the earth. Um, but the, you know, conservative people are, are in general 
conserving you know a certain approach and this approach in, in terms of like like every company practically every company their long-term business plan is to expand to get bigger and bigger and more powerful while funneling in resources that are undeniably finite with no reason to believe that those resources are just well, going to suddenly is, become I'm, sustainable and I, I mean i know that you and you know like you and and my, the rest of my family were freaked out by me about five years ago when i started like being mr collapse man right but it was all based on the simple math of all of our economic model like everything we do is based on every presidential candidate democrat or republican that runs says yeah. we've got to grow the economy everything is always about growth there's you know and and you're trying to do infinite growth models with finite resources with finite resources it's impossible on a finite planet right and you know i i think the reason you got a lot of pushback with sort of your collapse era rhetoric um because it, it sounded hopeless and this is actually not hopeless that's the cool thing about it like it, you it's not hopeless but there has to be action now, i have and it has to come in the form of what i was talking about what i'm trying to wake people up to organized direct action large groups of people uh making it very clear what they want and fighting for what they want you know uh, greenpeace along with other organizations you know stopped shell oil from drilling in the arctic that was big. Now they're trying to get the Arctic turned into a global sanctuary so we don't have to fight that same battle over and over again. But, you know, Obama said, you know, he's like, oh, young people, they need to be taking climate change more seriously than ever before. Oh, and then gave Shell the green light to drill in the Arctic. They could only drill in the Arctic because the Arctic's melting. It's like, it, oh, oh, now we can do this. This will be easier to drill now. We can, we can traverse this landscape much easier because it's melting. Because of Climate greenhouse change, gas, yeah. it's the most backwards thinking ever. But we stopped them. Like, it can happen. It's not like, you know, we had people in kayaks block their oil rig from even getting out of port in Seattle. And it brought a lot of news coverage to it. And people that had no idea Shell was even planning to drill found out. And, you know, again, it wasn't just Greenpeace. I don't really care that much about Greenpeace. It just happens to be the shirt I wear. But ultimately, like, if we look at history, you know, any guys like the, the idea, oh, one man can change the world. You know, Martin Luther King, Cesar Chavez, Nelson Mandela, Gandhi. No, they, what did they do? They organized big groups of people. And that's just lost. It's so individualistic, especially in Hollywood, that people are sort of like, well, if I can't be the big hero, you know, why bother? I don't want to just be a tiny part of a bigger thing, uh, you know, and, and you have to be. So when you say, hey, will you give $20 a month to Greenpeace? People are like, well, that twenty dollars is just twenty dollars. I don't get to spend on myself, and it's a drop in the bucket. It's not going to make any difference. One, it like it obviously it does when lots of people do it, and you're one of those people. I know it feels like you know these issues are in the background of well, it's your like life. It's like, it's like voting really for have a lot to of engage. people. You, exactly. Um, a but, lot of people don't feel like, like voting makes well, a difference, right? For the but same it, reason. But it, for you know, in a similar way, it's not even just about the money. It's about the political voice it's like signing a petition that matters because it's like oh now you know bart is he's he didn't just sign a petition saying i support this he he tangibly showcases his support every month and then we actually have lobbying power the way you get 
Mattel, the company that makes Barbie, to stop packaging Barbies in 750-year-old trees and, you know, uh, stop Nestle from getting palm oil from Indonesia where people's homes are being burned down and more carbon dioxide got released than this whole country last year. Like the way you do that is by like giving them a financial incentive to do so, which only happens when you have millions of people saying, we're not going to buy your shit. Like, and, and we're all going to spread around really negative brand damaging imagery. Like there has to be, it has to be organized. See, what's interesting though is, what's interesting as I listen to you is, is you the two things that are striking to me is number one is you're convinced that we're still on the possibility side of the tipping point that like that we haven't reached and, and I, I I and I think you have to be um, yeah you know what, to, what am I doing right or uh, you know like but the other thing is is that it feels to me like and maybe this is why the Democrats are a little bit more ahead on this is because. The only way this really gets done with this mass action is to mobilize governments to, you know, like social contract stuff, like like to enforce collective behavior that, that is responsible. You can't just let the market do this. Right. And I think that Republicans are naturally suspicious or, or conservatives are naturally suspicious of big government. And like, I guess as a young person, like, do you find that you're sort of going like, I have to believe that governments can do something like, like the, yeah, well then, yeah. Because like, like you do it, believe in government. Um, yeah. I mean, you know, I don't know where human evolution, if we, if we continue for long enough, will take us, you know, maybe we'll get to a more enlightened state. I don't know. But like right now, the reality is the only way to, um, avoid climate change being as catastrophic as it can possibly be. Like, you know, the only way to, somewhat mitigate the effects um would be a yeah, greater amount of regulation when it comes like the government would have to be way more involved in our lives and i'm not excited about that just in general i'm not like someone that's like you know i i don't i need to feel more controlled but there has to be a point at which you say what's happening now is going to end civilization if it continues so like we have to have new rules and who makes that, the rules right oh the government Okay, well then I guess I, I got to accept some new rules. And that's the thing, like I almost for temporarily at least in the in the same way that like the word humanism, when I came out of Christianity and sort of embraced this idea of, of this life is the only one I have, mm. and sort of this way of thinking that says you know how do I make the most of it? Oh, loving relationships, meaningful work, you know, wonder, thankfulness, and all this stuff. And I'm trying to think like what do I call that way of life? Mm. And you go like atheism? No, 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 that's way too negative. You know, like right. like free thinking. Like no, 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 none of these things work. And I end up with secular humanism. But I know that that word has all sorts of really weird negative connotations for a lot of people. Yeah. Um, new agey for some people, like communist, like like Red Scare era stuff for older people. And I'm like, wow, I'm gonna need to talk about humanism and and literally change the meaning of the word in order for that word to be useful, but it's, it's still better to try to, to sort of salvage that word yeah. than start over. Yeah. No, it's like I Bernie like, Sanders with socialism. It, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And I feel like what, like what the, what those of us that believe in this kind of stuff have to do is change the meaning of the word government. Because when people hear government right now, it's like them, 
Right. It's this other group of people, this ruling class that want to come and take my rights and control me from right. the outside. And they and have valid reasons to have those fears and to think that way. What is so... But classically speaking, government is us collectively like getting together and going like, let's pick somebody to makes like we all need to make some rules it'll be too hard to do that by a committee let's yeah. have george and mary do it right right no and, and, that's and then why come donald back to trump, us and tell us what the rules are going to be that's why to me donald trump even though i think he's horrible and i don't agree with anything that he says i actually think he's sort of a sign that it's still kind of a democracy because like he's a not a smart man but like really not smart people like him because he speaks their stupid people language and and we have so many stupid people here so it actually makes sense oh huge amount of the population is representative government very low capacity and yeah it's a representative government um i uh so but like people do yes yeah, people have a have reason to not trust the government i have reason to not trust the government like you know that we found out they're spying on us in ways we had no idea and and, and nobody really, you know nobody really it, it didn't shock that many people and that's why i'm sort of in a conflicted headspace but that, with all this but you because see, i i don't like i think there's here's what needs to happen more government regulation taking uh the effects of climate change into account do i look at the government and say that's a group of people like capable of carrying this out i mean i don't know what's going on behind the scenes but if the debates are any indication of like the level of intellect. I don't think the debates are any indication. Okay. I, I think the debates are our show for just pure theater, pure theater. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I, I, that's encouraging to me. Yeah. I hope because you know, I, otherwise this is silly. Well, and it, and it is, but, I, but the weird thing is, is that on, on one level we have to convince people. You're right. People have no reason to trust the government in many ways. But when I got out of Christianity, and I started trying to organize people, organize communities, mm -hmm. secular communities. Whenever I would give a talk or whenever I would start to kind of wax eloquent about the meaning of, of, of fellowship, right. people would go like, ooh, I, you know, you sound like a preacher. You sound like, like we don't, we're sick. We've all been burned by authoritarian spiritual leadership. So the communities that we want will have yeah. no leaders. Yeah, and I was sort of impossible. like, yeah, I was like, Good you luck. know what? And so I, what I always, my, my sort of tagline is that the alternative, you know, like the answer to bad authoritarian leadership or bad charismatic leadership right. is it's not good. no leadership. The good version. And I would say that the alternative to bad government and unaccountable government yeah. is not libertarianism, but rather is. You've got to have accountable government and you've got to have kind of well, and, and, and a way of removing bad, a, a way of quickly getting bad leaders out of office. Or just forcing them to do the right thing. And uh, that gets back to what I'm talking about with Greenpeace it, it, is that it's okay to not trust government. Don't trust them, but let, let your lack of trust for the people in, in power inspire you to involve yourself in the process because you can move things. You can make things well, and move. And I think that's, and that's what's going on. I, mean, we, 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 I yeah, think a lot of people don't feel like they can move things. People, but it's not actually as hard as people think. And that's that's what I'm trying to communicate. We had two, my, my roommate Scott and my friend Arrow went with like five other people to Las Vegas while Hillary Clinton was there, right? 
and Greenpeace had funded the construction of an airship, which, you know, is not obviously not everyone has access to, uh, you know, the tools that's to make co- it. But that's collective. Right. Yeah. yeah. You, that's your twenty dollars. Your twenty dollars. We had an airship and, and it said uh, Hillary Clinton stopped taking fossil fuel money. And we had already gotten a bunch of local Democrats in Los Angeles to sign a pledge vowing to not take fossil fuel money. Bernie obviously is on board. Um, and, you know, and she got followed around by that airship while she was there. Greenpeace got a call from her campaign manager. Oh, look, now we're having conversations. She's not floating in a bubble that we can't touch. It feels that way. And they like to sort of reinforce that narrative because it's not good for them to have a population of people that realizes they're really at our mercy to an extent if we organize. It's funny. I I read this um, philosopher named Karl Popper. I don't know if you ever heard of Karl Popper. I've heard you mention him. Yeah, Karl Popper is a really interesting guy. But one, he's a scientist who also has kind of a political theory, and they're related to each other. Mm-hmm. And one of them is is that you know how the scientific method is the the science community. The idea is is that every idea is open to criticism, and you can you can if you can eliminate a bad idea if you can prove it wrong. Mm-hmm. He's like. The best form government needs to be this kind of almost scientific method where the key is not to come up with the way to pick the right leader. The key is to have a, a, a fail-safe way of getting rid of the wrong leader. You're going to yeah. constantly make bad choices, bad policies. But you have to have agreed upon goals, right? And that that's the that's the issue is that, you know, what is the objective way to measure how effective a politician is? If it's just to carry out the wishes of the population well you know Majority donald rules. trump yeah. seems on yeah. track to re, you know make a bunch of people happy right you know like but but those are the wrong people according to me well and 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 a democracy is not simply majority rules mm-hmm. a, a, a democracy has kind of a framework in that, that ultimately the measure of a democracy is how well it protects the minority how well how how well the rights are protected of people that are not in the majority. Mm. And so, you know, I, it's, it's really interesting on the, on this. And, and I mean, I know this seems really esoteric, but I think there are a lot of people that I talk, that listen to this podcast or that I talk to out there in the world that are trying to figure out how to be a good person. And I think that a lot of times their attitude is I'm going to be a good individual. Like that's the most I can control. And they're like, I don't want to get involved with organized congregation. I don't want to get involved with politics. I don't want to get involved with like the idea of corporate or or group action. A lot of times for pe- people, especially people that come out of religion who have been burned by groupthink, a lot of times are all of a sudden like, I don't want to be a part of any kind of groupthink. And yet... The answer to bad groupthink, again, is not no groupthink or is not no group action. There's a sense in which we as a species rise and fall together and we have to come up with, like you say, even even within a government, the question is, what are the ultimate values of your community? Mm. And you know, I, I was listening to a theorist the other day talking about how the healthcare industry in our country is not organized around well-being, but rather around profit. Mm. And in other countries, it's organized differently, and it operates differently. And I guess what I'm wondering, you know, with, 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 with your work out there on the street, when you're talking to people, when you're stopping them and engaging in conversation, and you're trying to get them to in, engage in, in collective action, 
what's the biggest impediment? Like, what's what what's the biggest thing where they go like, yeah, I hear you. I care about the environment, but I'm not going to do that because I don't trust. Um. Well, most people say they need to do more research first. Most people, but, but that's like a brush off. Yeah, but a lot of times people in the moment, I've intrigued them enough that they actually believe that they're going to go research this now because they're suddenly this all seems interesting to them when I'm saying it. Uh, but the reality is that 10 minutes later, I will be a complete blur for most people. Um, you know, it's and that's the, the nature of human interaction, isn't it? Like that you're interesting in this moment and then life. Yeah, I suppose. Um, the biggest, I mean, the biggest impediment I, for the people that actually like acknowledge that it's a big problem. Um, I, it really, they, it, it, honestly, there's, if people get it, they get involved. It, it, it's people just thinking it's not going to work. It doesn't really work. Nothing works. So then that's the impediment. You have to convince them this can work. Right. And well, and that's why it's so important when talking to people to be constantly citing incidences where it has worked. Collective action has worked. Yeah. And, you know, everybody reads about them. You know, you read about the civil rights movement and you picture, you picture yourself there in the marches. You, you think there was no one then saying this, this will never work. Yeah. Like, I'm just one person. I, I talked to a girl at, at a college who you know oh yeah was all cynical um you know she's a uh, mixed race um you know black and asian um and and british so it was like you know a really cool sort of human um but you know she was sort of saying like you can't possibly think this is going to work right like you really think you standing here in this t-shirt like you're going to stop climate change and she was she it wasn't in a hostile way like she thought she was being flirtatious uh-huh. and just sort of like let's get real like I'm not one of these people you're gonna sell your bullshit to come on I'll, I see the real you, and I was just sort of like yeah it's a like it's a good thing that you know people in the '60s didn't have that attitude because like you wouldn't be able to go to school here isn't it cool that you get to go to school here, you know like that like that, a person like you simply wouldn't have been allowed you're to go not to school allowed here. to be at this school and you know there are other times in history where you wouldn't have been allowed to be educated at all in this country and there had to be that group of people that stood outside and talked to people who mostly wouldn't agree with them but said no we sense fuckery is afoot this is not right let's do a different thing and like lo and behold we like things better now where there is actually a trajectory toward uh a greater amount of acceptance among human beings even though it doesn't always seem that way but it is factual um and what was her response to that? I dropped that. That was one of those rare moments. I, I'm not. I'm not making it more dramatic than it actually was. Like she took a deep breath and said, "You're right." And though that's why I can handle a hundred people a day acting like I'm because the thrill of changing a mind. Not there. Yeah, it's awesome. That's a. It's the. It's the best thing, in you know that I've had experience with yet. Well, you know, it's interesting because. And again, like I'm always thinking about like who's listening and what they might find interesting in this conversation. Mm-hmm. And because I find this, int- I, I find the part about encountering people on the street and how do you stop them and what are they thinking and how do people treat people? That's interesting. Can and I go I, over some of my best stop lines? Yes, I would like to hear them. Okay. One, one winner that is spread throughout the office is, uh, hey, I am a great big friendly Buffalo boy and I'm just here for fun. 
and it, and it just things like that that just sail right outside. Like no one reacts to that in, in terms of what you actually said. Mm-hmm. They just turn and they, they, on some level, subconsciously, they know a weird thing was just said. something that they haven't heard before was just said. And then they turn and they go, what? And you don't repeat it. Of course you go, Hey, I'm Roman. What's your name? And so it's all about just getting you to engage get, me as a human being. Yeah. All, to getting to I'm Roman. Yeah. I, 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 now I just, I will start talking without any idea of what I'm going to say. Someone will be walking by. I'll just be like, Hey, I have, I have really no problems with the amount of muffins that I've found in this store, but more flavors. That would be great. More flavors. And they just, what? Hey, I'm Roman. And, and, and they never say, what was that weird thing you said at the beginning of the conversation? Because, you know, it, it, they just, it wasn't what they expected. It went outside of, it, hey, a second for the earth? Hello, I'm here with Greenpeace. Like, that, that's what they're expecting. And what they got was, you know, something you about to, muddy white horses. Do you think that would work picking up girls? Um, do I think it would work? Oh. Come on. I'm Come these, on. I'm in these streets every day. I see. Now, you yeah. think I do this shit for the environment? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, here's the thing I'm thinking is like, whatever fear you ever had of talking to people has got to be gone. Oh, yeah. I have, I have not a trace of social anxiety left in my being. And it helps in a lot of other areas of life where I, I never thought I had social anxiety, but the complete lack of it now. Like for you to get up on stage as a musician. Oh, yeah. I don't care. I don't care. Yeah, whatever. We know. Okay, so stand-up the, comedy, which it still gets me nervous. Um, when I've heard the stand-up, I mean, stand-up comedy is like the hardest thing. Yeah. And, and when I like the the brief moment that I tried it, mm-hmm. like the one time I did a, a open mic, the thing that I found that was the weirdest is as a speaker when I was getting up to talk. When I get up to talk about big ideas, mm. I'm funny, but it's not the point. And so, like the jokes, like yeah. if the jokes don't work. Like, that's not all that I'm there for. Like, right. I can go with the truth. <clears throat> but, like, as a stand-up com- comedian, if the jokes don't work, that, that's what you're there for. Yeah, yeah. And I, I'm going to take that back in terms of the, the social anxiety thing. I, like, I, I'm less nervous now to get on stage than I was before. But he, even with music, I mean, I, I guess there's still the chance. It's just, it's a different set of things being judged. Um you know, like as a stand-up comedy, you're being judged on your ability to make everyone laugh. And as a musician, you're being judged on your ability to like move people with music. And my desire to do those things well it still creates an anxiousness. Um, but when it comes to just t- having conversations with people that might think completely differently than me, yeah, that that's an area where now I have no well, and, problem. And, and this is the thing, is that I think a lot of my friends especially in this sort of secular humanist world or in this, I want to make the world a better place world or in this, like I used to be a Christian and I'm not, and I don't want to hurt everybody. I know's feelings world Mm -hmm. are trying to figure out how to engage with people. And I think that one of the things that I feel like the canvassers that I've encountered, the ones that seem to really care about changing my mind or, or getting me to think or at least getting – not necessarily like I've, they've got to win the conversation. Right. You're not going to change in real time. Right. But they're just like – they just want to present an idea to yeah. you and like, please think about this. Right. If I feel like they're presenting it to me for my benefit, it feels really differently than if they're presenting it to me to make a sale. 
Yeah. And most people can feel that out intuitively. But I think that when people get involved in these God conversations that I see a lot of people get involved in, they write to me and go like, oh, it was went terrible. Or like, those guys are such jerks. I'm like, were you talking to them? Because like your truth was the thing that needed to be defended. Mm-hmm. Or did you care about the other person? Like, were you doing it for their sake? Right. And I, you know, like if there's a nugget of transferable truth here, and, and maybe you could just speak to that for a second, like, have there been moments where you've tried it the other way or what, like, am I projecting this onto you? Cause I feel like if you're doing it for the other person's benefit, it works. Yeah. And, and it works whether they buy or not, or whether they sign up or not, or whether they change their mind or not. Yeah, Cause yeah, it's no, a real it, encounter. When you're in that, when I'm in that headspace, when I'm in a headspace where I, I am genuinely feeling compassion, trying lo- to love the other person. Yeah. That it works wonderfully. Right. But when I'm not in that state where if I if I'm feeling like just tired or annoyed or like I trying to force myself into a state of complete openness and pure empathy toward everyone that doesn't get me there, because even even if you're saying all the right things, people can sense you're not being genuine. Ultimately, the greatest form of like way to ensure connectedness is just to canvas from whatever emotional state you're actually in. Um, salesiness isn't a particular thing. Salesiness is just the, the feeling that this person is communicating with you, not from their emotional core, but from some outside incentive. Uh, but even if someone's being, you know, I've been a little rude before, but people can sense that it's a, it's a rudeness rooted in like just being tired. You're genuinely tired or you're frustrated Uh, or whatever it is. And, And it's like, okay, you know, what he's saying is true and he's being a person. It's just be a person. I like people. Well, you know, I I mean, that sounds easy, but I think like you've been out there for months and months and months and months. Like it takes a long time. Like when, like you just got to see that you don't die when things go horribly. You just got to see that like you say a stupid thing and someone laughs at you or you get ignored by 30 people and like you're, but it's not the end of the world. Nothing happens. Nothing happens that isn't happening in your head. No one cares. You know, that that's the stand-up comedy thing. You just got to bomb like 15 times and realize like, oh, I'm always okay still. I never, I never like lose a finger because I bombed. Yeah. That I have to, you know, that makes my life more difficult. It's just, if I can figure out a way to like just, you know, m- mentally self-regulate, I'll be fine. See, it's funny because like a part of me really disagrees with you and goes like, no, you have to care about the other person, but well, I mean, but my there gut are varying t- degrees of caring. Like, there's obviously I'm only out there at all because I care about people. If I didn't care about people, then let it burn, you know. But like, so at my core, there's always the caring about people. But as you know, I think for most people, at our core, we, you know, generally wish other people well, but. There are moments yeah, in time yeah, yeah. where no, you're not, just pissed. I'm, I'm, yeah, I mean, yeah, and, and I, but I think that authenticity thing because over and over again, when I have a good encounter or when people say, "Gee, you connect with people particularly well," or especially you can like you talk to Christians and they're not offended by you. You talk to Muslims and they feel connected to you. I go like, "What's the trick?" And like, if I really get down to the trick, mm. the trick is 
there's no trick. I'm really authentic. Like when I'm looking at that person, I really do want to understand or, or I really want them to like me or to like humanism. Yeah. Or to well, like I, I know the that's idea. Yeah. I know that's true about you. And so of course, it, you know, it'll always work for you because it's who you are. I just think whenever you enter the realm of like telling people, Hey, if you want to be more, you know, if you want your life to be to more work, effective, want this, just want another thing, make this what you desire. You know, and, and like when you ask a, a general trick, I think for but like, I believe that. Right. But I think a general trick for actually altering people's behavior when, when you you can ask the mind when you're talking to another person, you can ask the mind to direct the body. And people normally respond pretty well and feel capable. And you can ask the mind to direct the body in a way that you know will positively affect the mind. But when you ask the mind to steer the mind, it's always just confusing for people when you ask mind to direct mind. Because, that, you know, I mean, that's at the core of all of our identity issues is that it, our, our brains, our so consciousness you, I, is just I don't a feedback. What are you saying? So what are you saying? I'm saying that like I should do. In, in regard to you trying to spread a message that uh, ultimately your life will be better if you if you care about other people, care about other people. Don't say, hey, try caring about other people, like come up with another reason why someone should go volunteer at the thing and then let the caring happen naturally for them. But get mind to, to, to direct body to the thing, not not to just like create out of nothing a new desire. Yeah. That's what you've always done anyway. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. You, but but I see a lot of people failing in conversations right now. I see a lot of people having conversations where the, the both people walk away feeling bruised and unheard and uncared about, particularly in families around around issues of faith and, and around issues of climate change or around issues of politics. Anything like in that kind of space of gut level stuff. Mm -hmm. And I feel like there's this sense in which when somebody disagrees with them, they think you must not care about the world because you don't see this the way I do. Or you must not care about people because you don't see gay marriage the way I do or marriage equality or whatever it is. And I'm sort of like, I think there is this thing of like, stop. Stop talking to this person because you want your idea to win mm. and start communicating out of a sense of you just want this other human being to understand you mm. or to sense that you love them or to sense that this idea matters to you. Right. So not like, that it like, has to matter to them. Experiment with a different goal. Yeah. Like I think that half the people that, that you canvass with that do well with you, uh -huh. what real, like, I don't know if you sense I, this. Other canvassers or, or no, people No, I think street. that half the people that stop and talk with you on the street that you have a good interaction with, what really is happening there is, is that they're looking at you and going like, Wow. This really matters to him. And they're listening to you because not necessarily, they're not even sure it's relevant to them, but they're like, this is a young guy and he cares about this stuff. And I need to listen to him because he needs to say this stuff. And sometimes that's going to then, th that's going to work for yeah, them. That's but undeniably true. To be honest, that's probably 75% it are, are people who just are like, ooh, more of you. I want like, you know, uh, yeah, because you're sharing from your from, from your heart and like it's not. So maybe that's the truck is, is not even like what I tend to say to people is you got to care about the other person. And I'm like, no, no, no. You have to talk about what you care about mm -hmm. in a way that demonstrates not just that you think it's right. But that you think it's beautiful.
or you think it's important yeah. or you think it's valuable or you think it matters. Like, it's funny because like, I, I know this conversation has gone on way too long and I'm going to let, and we're going to cut it off. Okay. And we're going to go upstairs and have dinner. But I want to say this, the beginning of the conversation, we were talking about like what happens when you meet people on the street. Yeah. And then in the middle, we talked about like the content of like organized change. And then at the end here, I feel we're talking about like what happens when you're talking to people on the street. Right. And maybe the, the two ends of the conversation fit together even better than the middle part. Sum it up for him. What do you mean? Oh, I was. Just, I, I don't know. I thought this was working toward a grand conclusive. Well, no. What I'm what I'm saying is is that there's this thing that, ha- that you're doing street canvassing, and the thing that I think is so interesting about it is it is human interaction at its most visceral. Twenty five times a day, you do this thing that most of us do once every couple of months at Thanksgiving with our family. Like we have this kind of value-laden, emotionally resonant conversation (laughs) about stuff. And I guess what I'm saying is like, I think like there are lessons from that. I have a lot of those conversations too. And I I think that there's some some sense in which I, I, and and maybe there's a book in this or a pamphlet or something like lessons from a street canvasser. (laughs) Because I feel like there's a lot of my friends out there they're trying to figure out how to have more, better conversations with people about the stuff that they care about. Mm-hmm. And so like, what I was trying to tease out of you was, like, what's the magic? Because you're having them all the time. And I think that maybe this, the, 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 if you say, like, what's the magic? I think this magic is talk about what you care about in a way that lets people know, I really care about this. And they're much more likely to listen to you rather than, talking to them about the things that you think are right mm. by emphasizing how incredibly right the things you're saying are. Perfect. You like that? I like it. All right, baby. Hey, thanks for, thanks for talking. No problem. Hey, I hope you enjoyed that. I, 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 as you can tell, I totally did. That was one of the, one of the best conversations um, that I've, I've recorded you know, I mean, you have great conversation, but you don't always get, get a record of them. And so I don't know about anybody else. I'll be holding on to that one. Um, if nothing else to, to remind me that I got a cool kid and I got a cool podcast and I got a cool bunch of people like you. And so thanks for being here. Thanks for being part of it. Drop me a note at barcampolo.org. Go on the website, contact me. I want to hear from you. Yeah, I'm not kidding about that. And I'm not kidding about this. Life is valuable. For more information about the work of Bar Campolo, please visit barcampolo.org. Ready?